All right, good evening, everybody. Uh, can, is the mic working? Yes. It's working. Okay, great. Welcome, everybody, to Drisha. Uh, lovely to see you all here. Um, uh, for this year on uh, the legacy of Rav Cook, Love Without Limits, by Rabbi Daniel Landis. Um, all right, Landis is the director of Pardes and has been active in the creation of many programs there, including, um, I'll note, the, uh, the Pardes Kolel, which I was uh, fortunate enough to attend um, for several years. Uh, the foreign period in my own life, um, and um, well, rather than reading your whole bio, I will just note that I will just know that I have very distinct memories of thinking this afternoon of uh, moments uh, in Nerlendi's uh, office uh, in Jerusalem um, with um, with a picture of his uh, of his great grandfather on the wall, um, and learning with Cook actually uh, in seminars, and uh, those moments of opening up both of the uh, opportunities. Um, as, as well as some of the challenges uh, in the Cook's legacy uh, have stayed with me uh, to this day. Um, and I'm very pleased to be able to uh, share that um, with you all in, uh, in our Vita Josh um, here. Um, uh, I don't have a source sheet. Do I not have a source sheet? Okay, great. Um, so um, without further ado, um, I introduce you Lenny's. Yeah, thank you. Uh, it's great to be with, uh, with all the Drisha people this summer and to be with uh, Colwell students that I had, Kevin Kelson, who really helped teach, uh, helped teach the Colwell during his time as my assistant, and um, Rabbi Epstein, who uh, did not teach the Colwell, but could have, if you didn't interrupt me with so many questions. Couldn't work out that way. Okay. So I let's see. Take take a look on page uh, page four. Page four. The book has Bizarre Vicha. Sorry about having the Hebrew title there. Moral principles under love. He says, um, look at number three. I have one, two, three, three. One cannot but love God. One cannot but love the Torah commandments. I'm skipping over this to say. One cannot but love equity and righteousness. And it's impossible not to be filled with love for every creature. When I first learned this is uh, in, my, in my real youth, I said to myself, you know, it's not impossible. I don't, <laughs> I don't love anybody on this list. They couldn't figure it out. You know, Rav Cook. So the question is, with Rav Cook, is this just because he's a big sack? If he's a big sack, then it becomes kind of interesting, but uh, somewhat irrelevant. Um, maybe this whole love thing is really aspirational, which means good for somebody else. You know. After I finish to make the see you when you shall me, I'll get to it or whatever. Um, or when he says this, does he really, is, he, is it descriptive? This is the way certain people do operate. Is it even prescriptive? This is the way we're supposed to operate? Actually, to cut through all this, I think we're going to put all those things at once. Actually, he means it seriously. So if he means it seriously, um, Come from a Lithuanian family, actually, I meet him with Rav Kook, very close to Rav Kook. And uh, if I had to summarize, for some of you who are old enough here, 
uh, this occurred to me as I was humming it, uh, coming in the room. For most of my Lithuanian family, they would summarize that old hit in the 1980s. What does love got to do with it? Yeah, do the missus, the ones love. Even, even for the missus of love, we know they're the missus of love. Missus, and usually Ashkenazi, when I teach them. The missus of love, you know, the act of Shemokacha, but you can kind of define that also, although it expands itself in different manner of the Rambam. The other ones of Ahavat, uh, Ahavat um, uh, Yisrael, we have very, also looking can say for Amada, but very concrete things in terms of what it means to love a fellow Jew. Ahavat Ager, that's a big one, repeated a lot of times in Torah because it's evidently not a simple one to do, and that's where it stops. As far as I know, this other Ahavat that he has down here just doesn't, uh, doesn't take a place in most of the traditional most of traditional Judaism or Judaism that we that we love. I, I need I need to say so. This has always been on my this is a new share. So this has always been on my mind. I've always been connected towards it. A number of things have driven me to to give a share in order to work it out at least for myself uh, during this time. That other things have uh, propelled me uh, further. Uh, last week I was in Los. Uh, was it last week? Yes. Last week I was in Los Angeles. I went to a memorial meeting in the AME Church downtown Los Angeles for the uh, for the um, for the tragic murders in Charleston. I don't go to church often. I'm really not in the dialogic frame most of the time. I'm more in the polemic frame most of the time. Go to the church, and I hear talk about love and forgiveness that I'm saying, what's this all about? Uh, and on Sunday, maybe maybe some of you watched uh, the church service in Charleston, which members of the family um, who were slain got up and, and spoke about love and spoke about forgiveness for the murderer. It's almost, I think it's like an inconceivable, it's like a different way of it. It's inconceivable. I never gave a drug like that. I never heard a drug like that. And, you know, so where are these tears coming down my cheeks? And, you know, they're no different than anybody else in America. So this kind of propelled, you know, made the urgency, I'm sure was prepared, but the urgency further. So, okay, so that's where I am. And thank you for being my therapist. But, anyway, I'll, I'll lie down. So, this is what I want to do. This is how I want to take it. I, have a, I, I want to understand Ralph Cook and want to understand him in terms of his own uh, words, his own way he kind of sees the world. Um, I think simultaneously, I'm trying to understand Ralph Cook. I'm also trying to understand this notion of what is it or what propels us. It's impossible not to love. What's the Hebrew for that? Eshar Repeats this whole thing. This last one, the Eshar Impossible not to be full. Full is a very good term for it. Because full is a really halakhic term, which means what? Overflow. Right? That's your coast on the Abdullah. That's your coast for Abdullah. Or maybe your coast on Yahoo. And that's, you know, that's what you feel to be Malay, which means really overflowing. What does that mean? So, this is what we're going to do. 
I had to figure out a way of getting closer to it. I, I did say hello to almost everyone present. Now he knows. I'm working on the love. I'm working on it. Um, so I want to start with the poem of his. Uh, and we're going to do it together. So this poem, I have my own version of these uh, pages. It's found, should be found on page one. There's a little poem. We're going to skip the little poem. And we're going to go to Ani Mole So this is how we're going to work it. I need seven English readers. You do not need to volunteer. Volunteer your friends. <laughs> Turn them in. I have a friend. I have a friend. Victoria, you're number one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you're number one. I need number number two. Number two. Okay, number two. Who's number three? Number three, what's your position again? Yeah, okay, number three. Number four. Who? Number four. From the back. You can't hide. Oh, that man over there. I didn't notice you before, Rabbi. Okay, number four. Number five. What? That was number five. We had one, two, three, four, five. I got somebody's paying attention, okay? Number I number six. Number six, thank you for volunteering. And who's number seven? Who's number seven? Okay, number seven. When I say one, number one will read. So I'm going to read from the Hebrew. And feel free to correct me. By the way, see, we're, this translation is uh, a wonderful translation of the sealed boxer plus a memory read by Boxer. You'll see that I made some additions. In bold, and now also I have to make some changes of my translation because I see I made some mistakes, or some mistakes are there. I made some changes to this. So there'll be the cook, there'll be boxer, there'll be Landis, and there'll be Rashi Landis. And we're going to go through it. Bone has to be read out loud. Okay? Bone doesn't have to be shuffled. Bone has to be read out loud. And you can correct me in my Hebrew. In fact, please correct me on my Hebrew. Ani mo'le'a ha'vala Elohim. Ani yodea shema shani mevakesh. Ma shani ohev. Einanu nikra v'shum shem. Echi korei v'shem. Ma shahu yoter mi l'akol. Yoter mi l'atov. Yoter mi l'mahut. Yoter mi l'havaya. V'ani ohev. V'ani omer. Ani Ohei et Elohim, number one. I'm filled with love for God. I know that what I seek, what I love, cannot be called by a name. How can one designate by a name? That which is greater than all, greater than the good, greater than reality, greater than existence. I love, I say I love God. Shalchein hu or a sof. That between shall Elohim. Ubechol hashemot akinuyim. Light infinite abides in the utterance of the name, in the invocation of God, and in all the names and designations the human heart has conceived and spoken, 
Okay, thank you for putting both translations together. There are two separate translations that I think I should tell you. Okay, continue. He reigns. Or, I'm sorry, he commands. Thank you. Molech or Elohi, Moshel, Kovech, Misnot, Say, so we sat there, the Hadder with the air, the Chaya, the Romain, Hakal the Sof, Abihirus, Shel or Havaya, Molech Romais, Hamamocha Kitsuba, calls the man to Hiba, we saw Kalam, we saw the Havaya with Amin, we sat there or Roseha Hapets, or Yoser Adid, Yoser Pimi. Yoser Emet, it should be Yoser Emet, Shehul Asmo, Yoter Aziz, Betochen, Tachi Yusuf, Mofia Haor Ahakli, Hamachaval Havaya, Ema Mamad Yacholis Kayem, Ema Tochen Holem, Bishavrim Akelim, Mesim Hamulachim, Mesim Haelim, who is the true number four? Okay, hit it. A light. A light divine rays. Rules. Yeah, yeah, do that. A light divine rays rules, conquers, ignites, brilliance, glories, glorifies, gives light, goes up through the clearness of the light, 
Kamakabaya existence reigns and dies in limited sovereignty from the world of existence, the light eternal at times overpowers. We seek a purer light, more inward, more of the truth as it is itself, more power within inner essence. The light outruns the vessel, thought soars beyond existence, the ordered world breaks down. The content cannot withstand the vessel broken. Things are dead, gods are dead, they're so dead. <laughs> Permanent to status. Oh, it's a mistake. To heavens. From permanent to, to heavens. The body is lowered. The world of separation. Ahabaya existence. She is curled. Naked alone. Torn up scattered. Within her feet of hidden secret. Desire eternal for supernal life. Chesed olamim. Eniach bekeirim and ishbarim. Esorel besnitz atzav. Kachol. In everything that is. Or <laughs> Skip the next line, should be out. Through. Through the light and darkness within the soul, from God to his oil, a new light is born. Okay, easy poem, huh? Okay. Um, uh, look at the poem for a second. We're going to do it by section by section. These sections are made up. There's no seven sections in the original. But, you know, I like to hear different voices, and it's good to hear different voices. But um, where is um, where's the change in the poem? Where's the poem change? Maybe it changes more than once. But where's the place where you see, where you see the change? Am I allowed to walk around? As I walk around. 
Okay, yeah, that seems pretty, uh, pretty stunning change. Everything's dead. Okay, all right. Anybody else? Another change? Earlier, perhaps. Thank you for that. That was good. Yes. What do you have? What do you have? So where is that? What line is that? Or what section is that? I'm sorry, say it again. Uh-huh. Okay, give me the line again. Okay, I think that's good too. I think there is a change. A lot of bumps, a lot of changes here. Anybody else? Yes, what do you got? Yeah. I know, I got a different uh, picture. So what line is that? Yes, that. Yes, that. Yes, that. Okay, that's good. What do you have? So tell me what you think. Okay, I didn't hear that. So some, what? Yeah. How about that? How about that? Thank you. I didn't. I didn't see it, but you're absolutely right. Thank you for that. And we have one more. Human to the divine. So what part is the human? I, we, and then he. And where did that take place? Okay, very good. Okay, great. Um, I'm going to go through the sections as I made the sections. I'll remind you where these sections are. Okay. First section one starts with, I am filled with love for God. And I stop the section, which I think is the right place to stop it is, or if you can stop it. Um, God's greater. Okay, so okay, maybe I should we should do it this way. What's the maybe what's also the question is like what's one of the rubs in the poem? When the first rubs in the poem or problematics in the poem is just naming God. You name God, it's problematic because a name is is delimiting, delimiting or limiting. Yeah, yeah, I'll use those both terms. That's, you know, that's a problem. So he says, what I love cannot be called by a name. Because every name has a significance, right? You know, right? Rabbi Landy's students are really close to me, call me Rebbe. But I'm really messed up. Just got off the phone with my wife in Israel. She said, Daniel. Oi. <laughs> Oi, when she says Daniel, 
Every name means a relationship. How can one designate by a name that which is greater than all? Right? The, the transcendence of God, the infinity of God. Greater than the good. Tov is going to be a very big, important term for Rav Cook. We're going to come back to that. Greater than Mahut, reality, that's not a bad translation. Right? Greater than Havaya. Havaya means what? It says here, existence. But what is it? Well, it's a good question with Havaya. Because Havaya is everything. We say God's name is, we talk about that as Lashona Havaya, right? You look at the word Havaya. Havaya means at the same time existence, but also, so it's totally imminent, but also places the imminent within, since it's also, you find the Yud and the He and all the other terms, all the other letters of God within that. So Lashona Havaya means it's all, all of existence places itself right within God. Fancy term is panentheism. Not that everything is God, but everything is everything is within God. So God's great and all that. So how do these terms work? But on the other hand, He has to make the statement, the Aniomer. I'm going to say that statement, which is a difficult statement to say. I love at Elohim, the least fancy name for God. Elohim has another sense. Sometimes, what's another sense for Elohim? All you Talmudic students are Kabbalah students. What? Justice. Aha. So sometimes Elohim refers to the Midat the Din, refers to refers to justice. Absolutely. Anything else? Elohim could be. Yes. God of natural law. God of of the law of nature of nature. Okay, I'm just going to give it a wider. But you're absolutely, absolutely right. There's another deal with the word Elohim. What's the Apicorus problem with the word Elohim? Literally means it's plural. Hey, what happens with that? But I have to say that I love God. Now, what's this plurality business or this nature business? God's greater. As soon as he says, so I don't know which one of you are here in a significant relationship, but everything changes. When the other will say, really, I love you. And even if they get your name a little wrong, <laughs> but they should probably get your name right. And he will be, whatever it is, I love you, then it all changes. This poem changes at this moment. When he declares, even though it's a problematic declaration, because God is more, he's picking a name. When he says, I love God, what happens? Magic. Shalhehu or ain't so. Here the uh, Rabbi Boxer, light in the infinite, but ain't so, right? Ain't so. The transcendence of the transcendence of God, the God that we don't even know or can't even say, the unlimited which God abides. Where does He abide? The habitui shalohim. When you say this inadequate term, this parva term, it's not even milchah. A parva term. Maybe some problematic term for God. All of a sudden everything changes. That when you just say the word. It's not a mantra. It's not really magic. It really is love. What am I doing wrong? Okay. But I love hearing that. In the, I'm going to the English with you. And the Hebrew. In the utterance of the name. In the invocation of God. Whatever name you take. Shalom. This God appears. 
שרובב האדם הורה והוגה that the human heart has conceived and spoken the name's work. It gives you the opportunity to say, I love that. To say, I love, not only transforms the relationship of the person, to, uh, it doesn't only transform your relationship, it transforms the other person's relationship. When they finally have the capacity to actually say that, my old days as a rabbi, that was really something that people would come in to talk to me about. They would say, they would say, you know, he or she has never really said I love you. And when they reach the capacity to say it, then everything changes. Of course, then I moved to Los Angeles, which everyone loves everybody. So. Okay. The human heart, the soul soars upward. Now he kind of reflects on it. We're not I, I call this section three. If you can write it in there, write it in there, section three. I can't satisfy my soul. With love sustained by the web of logic. Huh? What love is that? What love is sustained by the web of logic? Rabbi Kelson. Rabbi, another somebody else, you, Rabbi. Is what? Good, good. What method is that called? called learning. Look what he can't do. He was a big, 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 big battle in Torah. I can't satisfy my soul with love sustained by the web of logic. This is learning. Through the quest for light revealed by the world. What's that? That's through nature. Seeing God through nature. Okay, he's now cast off Rabbi Salvatic, my teacher, and Professor Heschel. Okay, not sufficient for him. I don't I'm not, the Litvox and the Hasidim are not sufficient for me, nor their modern interpretations on being and not anachronistic in terms of time. Through the quest for light revealed by the world, I mean by existence as it parades itself before our eyes. Actually, I may translate it as, as, as existence pierces the retinas. Um, is that satisfied? It's not sufficient. He has this a lot in Rav Kook. For Rav Kook, it has to be the ultimate. You have to think of Rav Kook as a country western singer. Lucille, you know, you left me here, you know, with a crop in the field and five kids and a crop in the field, you know, where are you, God? No, no, it's not enough to talk about God or see the world as the evidence of God. And when he gets this existence stuff, as it pierces the retinas, I don't know if he's doing a Hawking's thing, which he might be doing, you know, this ultimate kind of, kind of, uh, kind of deal, you know. 
or is it, uh, I mean, the ultimate understanding, knowing God's mind? Hawkins called that, not just for a book title, because there's something in that, the ultimate, <coughs> that ultimate lot. I think that's maybe where it is. You got a point. Yeah, and yet he's using or as the element that we <coughs> use to get beyond the learning. As you know, power is all right. So, ah, 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 beautiful. So I'll say this, just straight about this. For him, this is the or before creation. The or before creation. Um, yeah, yeah. So I'll leave it with that. So what's going to satisfy him? So here he goes. Divine lights, no deem lanu. We write them in three. I'm like eight lines down from the fire. in three. Did you write down three? Okay. How are you going to relate to me? No deem lanu in the shamos or ros elohim. Divine lights are born in our souls. <coughs> El, look at the side before it's not. <coughs> Elohim Rabim Lahashkafas Ruchem. All right, this is this one was meant for stuff for me. You know, every time I'm in a debate or in a class, whatever, still, okay. And when someone says, "My God," I say, "What the hell do you mean by my God? What the hell are you?" And I say, sometimes I say it not not as nice as that. Sometimes they say it actually very strongly. But actually, you're saying this is how it happens. Okay, Elohim is in the plural. Each one of us has a conception of how God is. It's somehow, it's born, doesn't mean we're born to it. It evolves from our being. The Lodim Malonu, I think there's a birth process that's going on here. Now we have, uh, we have a Baxter's translation and my translation. So let me deal with that. Before we know him, in the fullness of his mystery, there's no word for mystery there. So before we know him in the fullness of his mystery, that's probably the third line in the Hebrew, Amek Amito. That's probably how he wanted to say it. Elohim Miskaleh. Before we know God, we have intimations of God. It's not a bad translation, now that I now that I darken it out. That's probably part of that Elohim Rabim. It only come from ourselves. It only somehow can be funneled through ourselves. There's multiplicity in terms of how we experience my translation, the one true God. I'm trying to do it literally. El Achadames, one true God. And before he is one. Before one, meaning before God becomes one, in the depths of his truth, should not be God here. It should be, if I'm going to translate, it should be divinity, or just use the word Elohim again. It's revealed. In other words, it seems to be a necessary process that this that that God comes to us through ourselves. And that it's it's born into us. With all the limitations that it has. What do you got, Wendy? Wait, wait, wait. You got to stand up for something. Do you think it might be possible to read it as 
weekend of not meeting before one and against God, you may be like a poor individual. Maybe that. So the like, do that again. I'm getting closer. Okay, so I would suggest that maybe the way to read it is to read it as, you know, that in order to have a real kind of experience of God, to some extent it needs to be an individual experience. So maybe to read the in the depth of one person's truth, yeah. you're bigger, of course, than me. Elohim is beautiful. Can't believe it. I'm agreeing. That's that. That no, no. I think. How come you're not on the page? The third one. Elachadames. The Lifnei Echad would still push me to the translation I have. But nonetheless, the Emek HaMisel, Elohim Mishkala. And it has to start with Elohim. So we're close enough, and, and thank you for that correction. I think that's terrific. Okay. This God, this Elohim, says your commands. I say reigns, but okay. I mean, I just and conquers all our being. In other words, we're overwhelmed by this. Think back to that early experience that you had as a child that took out the Sifrei Torah and Shul, or in Yom Kippur when everyone's wearing white, or, or, you know, maybe that experience in the forest, and usually you have someone with you, grandfather, a, uh, a trusted friend, and you have a sense, and you all go back to Heschel, you have the sense of the ineffable, or maybe early time of learning, or you could even be later in life, this kind of sense. All these things, that is our commanding presence of God as we perceive God. Wherever there is thought, feeling, will, will, wherever there is refined spiritual life, a life divine race. He's, what's he saying about this experience? He's validating it. He's validating his real, a real experience of the divine. It rules, it conquers. Uh, whatever reason, uh, uh, Boxer did not translate these few words. It left them out. Rules, conquers, and makes brilliance, glories, glorifies, gives life, goes up, which means transcendence through the clearness of the light of Habayab existence. Whoa, Rav Cook is on a trip. It's great. Everything is perfect. My God works very well for me and actually gives me a valid religious experience. Well, that's the other thing I usually get me out of a religious experience. What the heck? Okay? Not teaching you Torah to have religious experience. I'm telling you how to. But here, Rob Cook, I didn't write this. Rob Cook says, okay. So it's great, right? Molech, it rules, it reigns. Who makes and it dies? It's a limited sovereignty. You created a very powerful God for yourself. It has a limited sovereignty. It doesn't fully work. Now he's going to talk about that. From the world, from existence, the light eternal at times overpowers. But we seek, that's from the word but, a pure light, more inward, yoter adin, yoter penimi, yoter emet shahu latzmo, yoter aziz betoch tochiosel. It doesn't work forever. And what do you do, or what happens? I said, what do you do? What happens when this God is no longer working for you? 
maybe you have outgrown the sky. Maybe the sky has become a God concept. Maybe the sky has parts that are repugnant or repellent or just dies. I like the word dies, it's pretty strong. Mofia haor al Think a brilliant translation he does here. The light outruns the vessel. Thoughts soars beyond Avaya. The ordered world breaks down. Ordered world is your religious world, your very precious, well-structured, well-put-together religious world shatters. The content cannot withstand what power doesn't tell us. Maybe the light. The vessels are broken. The kings are dead. You know, this comes. We're talking about Shvirat Kaelin, right? We're talking about the breaking of the vessels, right? This is uh, this is the Sfat contribution, this Deluria, Lurianic contribution to Jewish thought that in the original in the original creation, the pre-creation, right? Our question always is, and I've mentioned two great men, Rabbi Salvatore, Rabbi Heschel, trying to figure out, you know, so where is God, right? And there's all sorts of all sorts of responses there, right? Where is God and all that stuff, or how can there be a God and how do we get to a God, all that stuff. You know, but the problem for the for the Kabbalists were is Oh yeah, there's definitely God. How can there be us? How can we exist in terms of this complete life? So they said the only way, and they came up with the great a couple of great ideas. But one of the greatest ideas is great symptom of uh, retraction, in which God retracted from Himself, giving a a halal, an empty space which is the ability to have free will, to have people, people with free will to have a creation. All very complicated, but it's not so complicated. Okay? Even in terms of life, okay? Uh, I just, uh, I was just with, won't say what city, yeah, I'll say a city, Sioux City, Iowa. So just in Sioux City, Iowa a couple of days ago, and uh, they have a, uh, the couple I was uh, with, have a prodig prod prodigy of, uh, of a son playing the piano. And we sat down for a concert and his practice. You, really, you want to join us? I said, yeah, four hours. I say, how often do you sit with your son at the end of the four hours? Let me just tell you, they're giving a big gift to Pardes. There's no question about that. Four hours, and um, I say, how often do you do this? We always listen to his entire practice. We sit here. So you sit here while he practices. Okay. Good luck. Good luck. Then I try to start to teach him the notion of Simpson, retract, to allow for a person to create. Summer camp, maybe. One of those summer camps that don't have that don't have videos. Okay, summer camps with videos are a big problem. Okay, you get my point. So here, let's go back to this. So there's Simpson. So the Simpson, okay. So within the Simpson and within this halal 
God's retracted. And within the halal, there's a residue of the divine there and a independent creation, the kaling, which means vessels. It means stuff. It means things allow for creation. And there's creation. Then God's, this is the next part, God's divine light, okay? It's saving you a big trip to spot. God's divine <laughs> light, God's divine light enters because the divine light from the outside has to relate to the creation. And the kaleem cannot contain the divine light. So the kaleem break. And then what you end up is a world and then different interpreters do different things, but basically you end up with a world filled with, um, what do you call those things? Shards? What's the Hebrew term? Shards. Yeah, what's the Hebrew term? Can't hear you. Somebody's telling me. What? What, what are the broken vessels called? Okay, no one's going to tell me. Can't hear you. What? Look up shards. S H A R D S. Thank you. When you have it, let us know. I've had, I'm having a senior moment. So, they're there, but in each one exists a a a, a piece of divinity that keeps the shard. But the shard is a broken. Whether the shard itself is just incomplete or whether the shard is actually no longer too good, that it is that it is broken state, but nonetheless it's broken, but there's still something of the divinity there. This is what you need for the next for this whole part here. What's happened? What's happened is you've built a structure. See, let me go back to this. This whole thing in the in the Zohar, alas, in the later on in the Luriana Kabbalah, based on the Zohar, but own contribution. This whole deal happened, but actually in the deep Kabbalah, it's constantly happening. And religious psychology is complete. It's always happening. In your life, it's always happening. You're building structures, and the structures are falling apart. Often, you're outgrowing the structures. But just as you break up in a in a love relationship, it ain't so such a happy moment. And you feel broken. And there's parts of you that are okay. Same thing that happens here in the love relationship with God. When the ordered universe that you have created within this halal allows for a divine light to enter, you say, you know what? I haven't reached the heights that I'm supposed to reach. My concept of God, sorry for the word concept, I apologize. My God, apologize for that. My God, my concept of God is too limited. It breaks. The king dies. Look what it says here. Metim mishtabrim akelim, going back there at the end of four. Metim hamalachim ah. The kings, if you look in Bereshit Lam and Vav, there's a whole section at the end of uh, Lam, uh, I mean, beginning of Lam and Vav, nine pesukim, which are, if you're going to take out any nine pesukim from Genesis, most people say take these nine pesukim out because they're really just talking about the kings of antiquity. Doesn't seem to have any real usage 
but Kabbalah understands them as the Kalim, the, the, the kings that reigned. Let's take it back to our idea. The kings that reigned in your religious life, the way that you conceived of God. Those kings at some point die. They're broken, they die. Metim, what's that last word? Metim ha? The idols. We're no longer single. Once they're broken, once this God concept is not equal to what God should be, or doesn't approach it, this idolatrous worship. Still a god, still a king. No, they team Very severe. Did you find charts? Was it Klipot? I'm hoping that it's Thank you. Harris Shedder. Yeah, the real word is Klipot. Klipot. The Klipots are dead. What do you got? What's your first name again? Okay. Um, the apostles of the Malachim are sort of the, uh, the role models, rabbis that. Oh, they're for sure dead. <laughs> they're, for, they're the first ones to go. All right. No, no, but that's also part of it, also. And, and that also brings us into a, uh, a terrible moment in which. Do they have to die? Do you have to reject those teachers? You can just outgrow them. What? You can just outgrow them. You can just outgrow them. But then you know, that's a that's a big recognition. And I guess for for Rob Cook, it's not experiences outgrowing. That you know needs a mature person who went through it. And I'm you know serious, who can say to a younger person or someone else, you've outgrown it. But you know. Try telling that to your teacher. How old was he when he wrote these poems? He was uh, 40 years old. It's published later on, but he was 40 years old. So what's happened now? Let's get to this. Yeah. I just have a question. Is there any possibility that we are the shards? Yeah, absolutely. And then maybe if, if, if um, we can contain the light by ourselves, that maybe we're meant to connect with others to so we build that. Uh, it's let me tell you about uh, the poetry and uh, how Rav Cook operates. Um, you have to remain in the tension. And right now, we're experiencing tragedy. So don't, you know, you got a nice answer for it. But don't go there. No, really, I'm serious. Don't go there. Experience the tragedy. Yes. Referencing who? I think, uh, look. I think it's, uh, I think he usually references everything. But I think this is, this part is heavy duty Kabbalah. So it's just that one line that came about, and I get 
Okay, maybe that works. Maybe that works. I, I, I don't see it. I mean, I'm just saying I don't see it. Uh, souls have departed. They've gone from the rakia, from the permanent. We had an ordered life. They've gone up to heaven. The bodies, what's left of us, but the bodies of the former belief system are lowered to Alama de Peruda, the world of separation. Separation is probably not the right translation. World of alienation, fragmentation. In Kabbalah, that's our world. Our world's kind of hard to put everything together, put all the pieces together. So the bodies here would refer to the bodies of those kings, which means the God concepts are now, you know, they're now college, they're now university courses. Havaya, existence is unredeemed. She's mitiatsevet, she's curdled, naked, alone, turned up, scattered. Within her, heaped up, hidden in secret. Desire eternal, desire eternal for the supernal life. At the last moment, they're still beating this little piece of the desire of not to live in the brokenness of former teachers that you may have outgrown, but there, where does that leave you? Okay? Or, or, or trying to regain a religious feeling. There is something still left. For Rav Kook, this is an endless process. Chesed olamim six. God left. It's a chesed. It's a merciful thing that God left in his broken vessels, vessels, sparks, residue sparks of his life. In every life pulse, in every life substance, in all existence, not all existence, in everything that is, there's a spark. Sometimes it's only a mitsucha mitsus. Dak, the dak we call dak. Faint, faint, faint. But it exists. It's there. What's the desire? The desire is not just to live now in the tragedy or the brokenness, but actually to come to where you want to go. Actually to come somewhere. So now we finish it up. Inner light. So what we're talking about now, we've gone from Simsum to Shvirata Kalim, and now we're in Tikkun. Okay, this is Tikkun. Inner light, the light of God Supreme, builds, establishes, assembles what is scattered, got to put it back together. Perfects worlds without end, orders and binds together. Next line is no good. Through the light unbounded within the soul. Hey, where is that ain't self? Okay. It's within you. The ain't self is within you. From God to the world, a new light is born, a light emanating from the splendor of God's face. Three takeaways. Well, maybe I got two. One, actually, it has to be you who does this, according to Rep. Book. It has to be your tikkun. It can't be somebody else's tikkun. Secondly, I think it doesn't say it at the end, but I think what's implied that it's an endless process. The God of your infancy will not be the God of your youth. 
there's always a carryover. It's not the God of your young adulthood, et cetera. And your God of your old age may still be another, another process of your growth. But what comes with it is heartache. It comes shvira, confusion, brokenness. But he'll be my third point, maybe a last point of this. So how does this connect with the very beginning? Take a look again at the very beginning. This very happy beginning. I am filled with love for God. Right? Take a look at it. I know what I seek, but I love can't be called by name. Nonetheless, he calls by name and all great things begin um how does this connect what do you got speak to the group at first he starts with um sort of like um he he's um he's looking he's looking for god in the world something he's sort of absorbing from the world at the end, it's more it's something that's come that he's more experiencing from himself. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. I like it. I like it. I may go somewhere else. I like it. Yes, I am. I know that guy. Yeah? Um, insofar as reading the beginning again and at the end, yeah. it makes it feel like you've been set up for the premise that every embodiment of God that we already told ourselves once the given name would become not a failure, but a tragedy. Not a failure. Right. I wonder if this seems a little bit compulsive. By the way, go with the which idea you're going with. It's say is this one idea or two? It is one idea. Okay. One idea. It seems that insofar as it becomes a circular frame. Yeah. Uh, I already understand my premise yeah. before there's a shattering. And then we have a tikkun, which and the tikkun almost matches up. The premise that we begin, mm-hmm. which is that there is no deathless Want to respond to that? You don't have to, but do you want to? Respond to it right now. Okay. I, 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 I like your optimism. I think it makes for, I think it makes for probably a more stable way of relating to a relationship with God. But ultimately, I think that to feel like, I don't think creation and destruction are mitigated or mediated by anything like progress in this. I don't, I don't see ultimate construction in this. Okay, and you were going to say? Thank you. Good. Um, he, he starts out by, uh, uh, by saying that the love that he's seeking, the love that he has is greater than he has.
Okay, thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you all for that. You have a, are you speaking to them or to me? To you. Uh, I think it's speak romantic. To the, you want to speak to the, oh. It's romantic in the Greco, I mean, you set it up. It's <laughs> romantic in the Greco Roman sense. Love conquers all. That's what the first uh -huh. Uh, that's why it's a headline. That's what it's supposed to stay in us throughout this whole process of growth and rebirth. What kind of song? The Himalayan, uh, uh, Himalayan, 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 uh, more and more convinced. Uh, I go back to, in love, you have to risk. And you have to learn to say, I love. And Rav Kook doesn't deny the experience and the gods that people have until they're no longer sufficient. If they're no longer sufficient, they're no longer adequate. If they're too limited in their sense, then they have already died in you. He validates the experience of that death, that death of God. Give me a Can't even say those words. It's heresy. But the but the the death of that is not our religion, but the death of that God council. He validates that, and he says there is shvira, and he talks about. Tikkun that takes place after the Shvira. The fact that it may be endless, it's a spiral. For him, it's a spiral up as opposed to a circle below. That's how that's how he understands it. I want to say one more point with this, which I think follows. Uh, if you if a person says to you, if that person even happens to be yourself, and you say to yourself or someone closest that I cannot love God, it may be a very limited God that we're talking about. A God that no longer you can love, or no longer is really that lovable. And the trials and tribulations of life and the joys of life bring you to another to another level. So I have 10 minutes before I have to leave. Well, I know it's 15 minutes. But 10 minutes, which means, rabbinically, means a half hour. No, 10 minutes, <laughs> which means which means 15, because I got to get on a plate. Because Cheryl said to me, Daniel, <laughs> you need to be home tomorrow. Okay, I'm going to wait for a couple of weeks. Uh, so I want to take you quickly through, I have to choose. Um,
Okay, uh, the miss, I have the miss security. What page is that on? Okay, so it's in Hebrew, sorry, it's not there. Our Tohar, which is actually from Rob Cook's uh, uh, private diary, journal. It's on page 47. Mem Zion is not listed here. These are jottings that he wrote, uh, and um, he. Um, and they're not necessarily sequential, but these two paragraphs do follow each other. I'm not able to distinguish absolutely between all that which exists, except for a distinction of degrees. He's talking about life. But he also means just existence. I'll do this Being, Abayaz, revealed to me in his entire scope from the smallest creation to a spiritual manifestation, which happens to be full of might, greatness, splendor, crowned with the crown of wisdom, understanding, knowledge, from the smallest to the highest. It's might, mean the might of Havaya, of existence, which gathers together all opposites, projects the majesty of existence. Its splendor, full of knowing, sets the foundation for all, making everything blossom, soul, spirit's life. It brings them forth in full value, meaning their full manifestation. It empowers them, would be a word we would use today, into one gathering, a royal order, Hashem this uh, phrase, it's an integrated vision. It's a vision that says it's an ecological, it's a theological, integrated ecological vision in which you can say, which you no longer can say, this is part of my world and that has no place in my world. For Rav Cook, you can't say that. It's all connected. It's all part of Havaya, existence given to us, and to say that I will live in La Jolla and not worry about acid rain that comes some from some someplace from Canada, or is it the reverse? I don't remember. To say is is a ridiculous statement. It's as ridiculous to say that I can cut myself off from any part of existence. Now then he applies this to specifically, it's a separate paragraph. He may have written it at the same time. But it's connected. It is fitting to be attached to the entirety, to be Mufubar, attached to the entirety of Klau Yisrael. And the more one will purify his thoughts and actions, yes, he's gone particular here. Rav Cook tries to deal with the particular, tries to deal with the universal, and tries to deal with the universal within the particular. And the more he will purify his thoughts and actions, so he'll be able to be attached to the greatest levels and also the smallest levels of the entirety of the cloud. It's called cloud Yisrael for a reason. Okay? Not with a kuf, with a chaf. But according to the minuteness and intensity of judgments, so will the attachment be less inclusive. But once you start judging somebody else in the cloud, 
once you were very exact about your judgments, once you're very harsh about your judgments, what will happen? Your attachment to that which you criticize will be less. And the more one lacks attachments to the lowliest level, doesn't give up completely hierarchy, as he said in the very first part. He has the notion that all is integrated, all is part. He has a hier hierarchical terminology, which doesn't go so well today. But he has an inclusive vision, which I think is extraordinarily important. The more one lacks attachment to the lowliest level, my grandfather, plus the memory, taught me Ralph Cook. It was was very close to <laughs> was Ralph Cook's election chairman of Rabbi, Rabbi Cook's election committee for chief rabbis. Okay, yeah. Ralph Cook did not know that he had a committee. But, and the more one lacks attachment to the lowliest level, to that same degree you'll lack attachment to greatest of all levels. Once you detach yourself from any other part, then you're detaching yourself from the whole, and who says you can only attach yourself to that which is the greatest and the best? It's ridiculous. This is an integrative notion. The second one, he's focusing on Claudia Yisrael, but it's very true for what he said at the very beginning in terms of the world. So now we have to go back to this section that we talked about. The moral principle. We're going to take turns. You read first. Okay. Moral principles number one. Do it in do it in English. Doesn't want to look at Hebrews fine. I'll throw in the Hebrew support. What page is that on? Okay. Four. Moral principles. Musar, uh, okay. The heart? Now he talks about how does it happen in life. Continue, Victoria. The love of all creation comes first, then comes the love for all mankind, and then follows the love for the Jewish people, in which all other loves are included. Since it is the destiny of the Jews to serve towards the perfection of all things. Right. Tikkun. What can I tell you? He was a believer. You read next. Um, okay. um, the love of all creation comes first. Then comes the love for all mankind. And then follows the love for the Jewish people. In which all other loves are included. Since it is the destiny of the Jews to serve towards the perfection of all things. Read another one. All these loves that they express in practical action. By pursuing the welfare of those who are forbidden to love and to seek their advantage. Okay, you love? Okay, here's the Jewish part of all this. Help them out. Tachlis. Next reader. But the highest of all love is love of God, which is love in its fullest maturity. Next reader. Okay, next reader. Okay, next. And this sweet? Next reader. One cannot. Next. Firmly linked to the reality of the existence, the heart of the excellence, 
Next reader, divine will. Okay, next, Wendy, I want you to read this line. Okay, stop there. Read it in Hebrew now. B.F. Shar. With every creature. Okay, next reader. For the flow. Okay, you want to love God? Then love the way that God loves. Loves the Havaya, which is contained within God. Love the creatures large and small, creatures we're familiar with and the other creatures. How can you not, if you love God, how can you not love all? And what type of God would it be if you didn't? Okay, could you read? Number 10. Much effort is needed to broaden the love for people. The Probably be at the proper level. At the proper level. At which it must pervade life to its fullest depth. Okay, my next reader over, over there. This must be done. This must be done in opposition to the superficial view, which suggests itself initially on the basis of inadequate study of the Torah and of conventional morality, and where it would seem as though there is a contradiction to such love, or at least indifference to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where you, that's where you throw off your other teachings. It's at this point. You have Thank them for what they gave you. The teachers are racist. They're un, they are solely nationalistic. They couldn't give a damn about anybody else. They can't see the good. Then they believe in a God that you have already outgrown. You've already outgrown that God, therefore you've outgrown that teacher. Would uh, you read that? The highest level of love for people is the love due to the individual person. It must embrace every single individual, regardless of differences of views on religion or differences of race or climate. Last reader, in the green and white. It is essential to understand the mentalities of different nations and groups, to study their characteristics and lifestyles, in order to know how to base our human love on foundations that will readily translate themselves. Okay, it has to be done. There's a couple more lines. Did you realize next reader? Okay, my next narrow mindedness. You want to be religious, you want to be, what do we say, the terms? We're getting taught here by a man who wore a beaver cap and a long black uh, frock. You know? He says, you know, 
He says we're living in the dark ages. We're believing in a God that's a idolatrous God. The, the, the love for all becomes a reflection of our love for God, which is a reflection of the work we put into it. Any last comments? Not as long as you love everybody, but you don't love me. Is there a, is there a comment? Please. Speak to the group. You said earlier that there's is an empty of the mission. I definitely hear that throughout. I'm not just saying it earlier. I said empty is a mentioned empty is earlier. Yeah. While we were kind of using some of the first poems, I see this letter work that we did with the Spinoza. That Spinoza, Spinoza can actually and Britain wanted to have a statue of Spinoza in Spillview, Florida. It's kind of funny. A guy who's complete monkey is the one making an idol. It's kind of funny with Britain. I mean, the book says that Spinoza was a tzaddik. They had true love, and it, it, it was engendered from true love for all. It was engendered from this feeling of completeness and wholeness. Part of our task. Our task as all of us as students of Torah is to is to it's not to have to take the uh, the move that Spinoza took, which is to leave the community. I know, and I, I, I saw the plays, I read the book, I don't know. Yeah, no, no, I, 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 so here's my point. My point is, or to give up on the sense on the he didn't give up a little but he gave up a lot. So for our book, this is also this is a it's descriptive, go back to the original thing. It's prescriptive. It's how we're supposed to understand Torah. It's supposed to be inclusive. How we bring how we bring we bring the uh, the new integration into play. And so uh, yeah, you know, we, we bring Spinoza back into the thing we dropped and argue with. And say to you, right, you're right, the fill is still good. You're right, you're right, the conflict is actually a good thing. We could do this. This is really a case of, uh, of losing one of our brightest minds in our lives because the social reality, the round of the community, they were extraordinarily afraid of not being seen as being religious. They didn't know how to deal with themselves. So right, they, they got rid of it because of their own insecurities. We should be plenty secure by now. What do you got? I wanted to know that it, 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 it doesn't have any meaning where it says, and now my mind at least want to do whatever is outside of the nation, even what is outside of the as ugly and defiling. Um, so, Ruth's Ayun is uh, your mind. Right. So, in Hebrew, it says, meaning that oh, it, it's, and they're reminded this that, that doesn't involve any kind of, you know, sort of respect or understanding. But, I don't know, it was missing that rock in English. Okay, good. I'm glad you put it in. And the term is, it's metonic. What is tuma? I'll give you a last word. What's tuma? Tuma, pure, right, words over. Tahara is the possibility of inspiration. Pure tahar, people are tahar, they can gain, gain the miracle of intimacy. 
Tahar, you go to the base of Mikdash and give a carbon. Tuma, which is a natural state of affairs, but Tuma is alienation. That's my cultural definition. Landy's definition of Tuma is, is, is alienation. We all live through alienation. It's part of what, we're, what we are. However, when you're in a permanent state of Tuma, you know what you are? You're dead. Right? And there's nothing more coming than that. No empathy, no feeling, no regret, no this. We have to, you, you, when, you, when, you, when, you, uh, when you see other people hurting and you can't relate to it, it's not the right time to say so before. But, I'll say so before. Not the right time. It's after my time, I can say it now. Not part of the, of that. I've written different things recently, popular, popular, popular articles that are not very popular. Um, the thing that people got the most angry, the angry beyond. Some of my students say, you want to make people angry. But this one, which we just showed out did their part. wrote an article called Compassion for Gaza. It wasn't about compassion for Gaza, Rachman for Gaza. <clears throat> and what I try to say there, the article, is I wasn't saying whether the war was wrong. I actually supported the war. You know, I, I, have, I have a son who wears, uh, wears a uniform. You know, support nothing. I say afterwards, when you have a devastated, a devastated world, and you have a devastated community, you have to have some compassion. No one got this made people more mad than it. And I'm trying to figure out why. I try to vote that way, but okay. So that's my problem. But I think actually it was because there's a there's a need suits of compassion left in Jews. And when they see that they don't have compassion, it drives them crazy. If they thought it was just ridiculous, they wouldn't have gotten so many. When we lose compassion, I didn't write this, by the way, kind of proved that the cook was not necessarily a cook. But what cook, when he wrote this, he was trying to say is you can't win You've got to be smart, you've got to be tough. Other things we have here. Smart and tough. And I have this on the sort of pages here. Smart and tough, and that uh, all this involvement has to be crowned with heroism. Yes, yes, yes. Well, you lose this attachment to the world, and you lose the attachment to God. And you're in Israel, was it us in Pardes? We have somebody here who can help set that up. A lot of people in Pardes. Thank you, Yafa. And, um, and uh, if you look, walk down the Tayella, you see we're both over there. I was only nine. You can knock on the floor, and, uh, and you know, I'll come back to play. Okay? So very good. I will. Oh, I forgot you. Sorry. What's your name? Monica. Monica, speak to me. So you mentioned Sunday days and. I heard you say he was panentheistic, as far as I know, he was panentheistic, which is a different thing. In his end, he's panentheistic that all would be bad. He seeks to imply, not by he says in this poem and elsewhere, that the that that until you have a more perfected idea of God, you are already in a polytheistic mode. Rafa. Oh, you talk about? Oh, Spinoza. Oh, Spinoza. Spinoza is Panentheist. Now, Absolutely. 
he's to nephewism on steroids. Okay. <laughs> okay. And I'll, I'll end with this, the fact we need to bring Spinoza back. Also, we should have found a little shit out. <laughs> it would have worked a lot better. Thank you very much. <laughs>